presented here today for you to enjoy is a special 15-minute preview of this week's Top Rope Nation Extra Patreon-exclusive bonus podcast. A really good discussion I'm sure you would enjoy if you enjoy our typical flagship podcast. And like I said, the only way to hear this full show is by joining the Patreon page. The link is here in the broadcast description. What is up, everybody? Top Rope Nation Extra coming at you here for January. And if it's January, you know what that means. We are approaching the WWE Royal Rumble in annual tradition dating back to 1988. But this year, there is another key date on the WWE docket, and that is the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. And here to help me break down the history of both Monday Night Raw and uh, the recent history of the Royal Rumble is a man you know quite well. He is uh, from a country of royalty. And if my good friend Liam O'Rourke is the king of the West Midlands, at least I think that's what they call where he lives, uh, this man is the king of the North. He is your good friend and mine, Mr. Rick Skelton. Rick, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm fantastic, Cal. Great to be on with you again, mate. Yeah, and uh, you, of course, uh, are, were selected to do this uh, because you were so kind to take the time on the Facebook group for Top Rope Nation in the discussion and break down uh, every year, basically, of Monday Night Raw's history, uh, offering up your favorite moments and favorite episodes year by year. So with the 30th anniversary coming, I thought who better than uh, to talk about that with you. And then we will move on to the Royal Rumble. Uh, you know, just to peel back the curtain a little bit here, Rick, for you and all the listeners, uh, football season is a, a very stressful time for yours truly. That is uh, how I make my living in the old shoot job covering, well, not just football, but all sports, but football season, is especially busy. And so I have this natural habit every year of kind of falling behind a little bit in December as uh, I am just immersed in the world of sports. But, you know, as the NFL regular season ends, the college football season ends, it ended last night uh, with a real dud, but uh, it's a different podcast for a different day. But what has always been there to hook me back in to pro wrestling through the years is the Royal Rumble. This year, well, uh, not so much. And we're going to talk about maybe why that is, uh, that the Royal Rumble uh, is not uh, tickling my fancy, so to speak, as it has in the past. Uh, and I, I'm guessing that you probably feel the same way. Am I correct? You are, yes. Uh, as, as somebody who had to watch the 2022 Royal Rumble again, um, because a long time ago I started collating the, the Royal Rumble stats and I, I had to watch it again to update them. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't good, Kyle. It wasn't good. It wasn't fucking good, was it, pal? All right. Well, you know, Monday Night Raw, 
occasionally must have been pretty good because the damn things lasted for 30 years. Okay. And you covered all of it uh, year by year, like I mentioned in the Facebook group. And I wanted to talk about it with you here, kind of broad strokes, kind of different years. I believe the last time you did a Top Rope Nation extra for me, correct me if I'm wrong, we actually talked about eras in the WWE over the last course uh, of this century. And Monday Night Raw kind of has its own eras, as we'll talk about, although it, it, it's harder to define in recent times. But, you know, what was your big takeaway from the project you undertook talking about 30 years of Monday Night Raw? Yeah, I, I noticed that the anniversary was coming up um, and I thought I'd, I'd do some little write-ups for the for the Facebook group and it, it sort of took over as I, as I got more interested in it. Um I think I got to about 2005 before I thought, oh, my God, how many more years are there to do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It it just and you know, I have a question. So I'm going to bring this up when I do the next Squared Circle Gazette with Liam. We're we're in the midst of 1992 there. But, you know, if you want to compare WWE television to other episodic TV, obviously other episodic TV programs do not last 30 years, generally speaking, except for like, you know, soap operas, which have been around forever. But in a way, for the first, you know, 20 years of our fandom, that was, if you heard that big bang, that was my daughter upstairs playing in a room. I hope she's okay, by the way. Uh, it sounded all right. It sounded all right. But I think, I think, we'll, I think we'll live. There's no screaming. The dog would say something, I'm sure. But um, <laughs> anyway, I digress. The, the, the first kind of uh, 20 years of our fandom, the WWF felt like uh, different shows very much. In a way, like you had the Hogan era, you had the Attitude era, you had the New Generation era in between. And so you could kind of binge them in a manner and they feel demonstrably different. But to your point, you know, kind of when once you get past like really 2002, it just feels like the same thing. Maybe they just turn the lights up a little bit brighter. They spend a little bit more money. The show gets longer, but it doesn't ever feel like there's any demonstrable sea change in the promotion or the program specifically. Yeah, and and I think that's been that's been a thing for for a long time. Um, obviously, you said we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble later. There's a lot of that in there as well, and and a lot of the criticism of the modern Royal Rumble, I think, applies to to Raw for certainly the last fifteen years. Um, and ever since, what was the last big change? They they they, they went to PG. They went to three hours HD, and and then three hours. Yeah, and. It almost feels like it's been the same show every week since. Um, not that I've watched every week since, but um, all the ones I've seen. And and, and there's been some highlights, and I, and I did manage to dig out the, the sort of best episode of Raw from, from a lot of years. Um, some some that I really like, like the Goldberg come back into uh, 2016, um, and, and some that were just the best of a bad bunch. Um, but... That that has been a big theme is that ever since they went to their their big LED set, three hours every week, very formulaic. Um, I don't know at what point they pretty much abandoned the third hour, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's another formula that they've fallen into, which is just start hot and then in third hour just accept that a third of the audience turn off anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and it, and it just has been that way for years. For- 
from what I heard, they they stopped trying for all three hours last night. Now, I watched the college <laughs> football game, uh, which <laughs> I believe TCU stopped trying after about 10 minutes into that game. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, Raw, I mean, they had a chance, I think. I, I don't know if, uh, I guess, uh, Paul Levesque is not a college football fan. But, I mean, my God, just – he should, you know, rush somebody out there, do something, some shock booking, because, I mean, you had a blow out of your hands. People are probably looking for something else. I was watching an Oral Roberts, New Mexico college basketball game, for God's sake. Uh, so, but just to, um, you know, for clarity here, the Raw 30th anniversary, they're saying Raw is XXX, uh, is Monday, January 23rd, Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center. Uh, but let's go back in time. Uh, Monday Night Raw uh, was, you know, Philadelphia, obviously, a Northeastern stronghold has been a WWE slash uh, F city since the beginning of time. Uh, Raw was primarily uh, held in the Northeast for uh, its early run there, uh, uh, Rick. And, you know, you kind of made this point that while we romanticize about early Raws, they could be dull. But when I think about that, those first few years of the program, particularly 93 in the Manhattan Center, there is a charm to those small buildings and, uh, you know, just remembering my youth, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Manhattan Center is a great building. Um, those early shows, I've, I've always got that guy with the yellow Bob Buckland t-shirt on. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> is, is, is it Bob Backlund, WWF champion? It says on his on his T-shirt. He's, yes, he it is. Yes, front yes. and center. Yeah. Um, uh, there are a lot of highlights from like '93, particularly '94. Not so much. Um, I just think they seemed a bit confused as to as to what it was. They they wanted to do this sort of live or live feeling show on a, on a Monday night, replacing prime time. But they could just never quite get away from their formula um, for the, for the sort of syndicated weekend shows. Um, so right up to the start of Nitro, um, although there, there was some highlights and there was a lot of matches between sort of big named guys and occasional title matches, they, they still always had these sort of random squash matches or some some shows when when you watch old girls. Um, everything but one match is, is is a squash match, and it does feel like a sort of live feeling superstars. Um, so it, 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 is a, it is a little bit confused, but I, do, I, I think 93 generally is, is really good. Um, and, and I can see why it caught on as a, um, as a format because it's it, 93 rows are much better than prime time. Definitely. Anyway. Um, and, pro- and probably better than anything on, on superstars and challenge that was coming the, the, the few years before. Yeah, so obviously Liam and I have been reviewing the 92 TV and a point that just was so obvious to me when I was watching the early summer of 90 is the television format, which had been around basically since 86, uh, when they, which is when they went to Superstars and, and Challenge, had gotten so dull and needed badly a face. They needed a shot in the arm and they did it with Raw and, you know, doing things like the, uh, you know, perfect flair uh, loser leaves town match like on the second raw it was like a huge deal. And obviously the uh, episode, God, I, I don't have the exact date, but the May episode in 93 
where Janetti comes out of the crowd, challenges Sean, beats him for the IC title. Yeah. Same night as one, two, three kid beats Razor Ramon. That was a dramatic shift in WWF television at the time. The likes of which, you know, to our earlier point, we just haven't seen that kind of dramatic shift. Like, whoa, like, like, what is this? Like, I've never seen this before out of this promotion. Like, you know, a, 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 a jobber one and, and, we had this impromptu intercontinental title change. Now it's just built into the show that somebody might come out at the beginning of a show, make a challenge and win the title. That wouldn't even be special anymore if it happened uh, here in 2023, 30 years later. But, you know, at the time and the Manhattan Center was such a different look for WWF television than we had seen uh, over the previous, um, you know, six and even plus years, obviously going way back into the early 80s. So, uh, yeah, I, I, Raw Prime Cuts is a great best of tape. Um, I, I think that's on the network. If you go to the home video section, uh, I don't know if it is for sure, though. But uh, that's a great way to kind of revisit the high points of, of 1993 Monday Night Raw. Um, you went over your favorites. You know, what is your fate uh, of the early Raws pre-97? What do you think was the high point uh, of the program? Um, I, I think it's probably that episode with the with the Razor Kid, um, Razor Kid angle, and and, and the Janetti Michaels title change. Um, that's that's a phenomenal episode of TV, and 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 they really tried in '93. There, there's all sorts of stuff. I mean, I think the the King of the Ring qualifiers. Um, there, there were a lot of matches that, that that went to draws, and they and they had a rematch. Um, that they got Macho Man involved, and and he was involved in some um, some matches. Um, did they have a two out of three falls match with Doink and Genetti? That is Gennetti. a great match. Oh yes, that is a great match, a legit great match. People may not have seen it. Uh, I believe it's in June. Genetti, I, I feel he's lost the IC title back to Michaels at that point. Um, but yeah, but I, God, I love Teal Doink so much. You brought the King of the Ring qualifier. Yeah, it was awesome. Him and Perfect. Um, I know they they did at least one of the qualifiers uh, on Raw that year. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think I think that's the one that was that was a draw, wasn't it? And, and um, I, I can't remember if there was one draw or, or, or two, and they, they had to have rematches. Um, and I think I think Doink fought Savage as well. Did Doink steal Savage's hat or something? Yeah, it, it was the old Repo Man stole. That was a very early edition when Rob Bartlett was still drawing a paycheck. They did the Repo Man. Oh, but yeah. They, they did a deal uh, with Savage and Doink later in the year with the Macho Midget. Pardon me. Please do not send the pitchforks to Ohio. <laughs> that is what they called him on the program. Okay, Macho Little Person. But uh, we, we can say now. But yeah, remember that. Because they, there was uh, under the ring that that's what they found. He came out and, and whatnot. But yeah, that, that was an interesting way to kind of weave Savage, who they were generally phasing out over the course of '93, and at least until the Crush feud.